Previously on Breakdown. This has raised her national profile. You know, not so long ago we heard national commentators mispronouncing her name as Fannie Willis and all that. Now everyone seems to know her name. Everyone knows her role, at least in the national media. And she's become a household name to many in Metro Atlanta. And I think if this investigation ends up going forward, she'll be a household name to a lot of people around the country. I can condemn what happened on January 6th but I'm not going to be intimidated to shy away from doing what I should do, and that's support President Trump's executive claim privilege in a spirit of transparency until the courts have weighed in. If the courts weighed in, that's a different thing. It's hard to imagine this investigation without at least an attempt to get the guy who's at the center of it before these grand jurors. You would think that, at the very least, being six months into the investigation, a rough draft is being written. The special purpose grand jury, when all is said and done, is expected, although not required, to write up what's called a special presentment. It will be one of the most sought-after court documents imaginable. And we wonder, just how far will it go? Will it name names? Will it recommend criminal charges? Just how many details will it provide? And when will we get to see the dang thing? We know from what's been said in open court that the special grand jury is winding down. 26 Fulton County residents, 23 special grand jurors, and three alternates must be having the experience of a lifetime. They've heard from dozens of witnesses, some quite noteworthy. Georgia's governor, a sitting U.S. senator, the former mayor of New York City. We still don't know if they'll ask former President Donald Trump to testify before them. But once they've heard from the final witnesses they've summoned, it will be time to write up the presentment. And in this episode, We're going to dive deep into this and let you know what to expect. This is episode 21, the final presentment of season nine of Breakdown, the Trump Grand Jury from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Welcome back to Season 9 of Breakdown, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside Georgia's most important cases. I'm Bill Rankin, the AJC's legal affairs reporter. And I'm senior reporter Tamar Hallerman. We talked to former district attorneys who were granted special grand jury investigations. It's interesting how differently some were handled. One reason? The statute allowing special purpose grand juries is not as straightforward as you'd think. But before we get to that, let's recap some of the developments since our last episode. We told you that Circuit Judge Charles Roberts had ruled that Michael Flynn, 
Trump's former national security advisor, had to come to Atlanta from his home in Florida and testify. Since then, Flynn's lawyers asked the Florida District Court of Appeal to stay Judge Roberts' order pending the outcome of Flynn's appeal. Senator Lindsey Graham had tried the same in federal courts, all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. He lost. In response, the Fulton DA's office told the appeals court what Prosecutor Will Wooten had told Judge Roberts during the court hearing in November. The work of the special grand jury is nearing completion, so if a stay is issued, it might mean the grand jury could issue its final report and be dissolved without ever hearing from Flynn. On December 6th, the Court of Appeal issued its decision. No stay. Flynn had to testify, and he came to Atlanta on December 8th. Bill had the early morning shift waiting outside the courthouse. After waiting almost three hours and seeing nothing, he headed back. But a few hours later, I got word that there was increased security outside the courthouse, so I rushed down to check it out. When I got there, I saw law enforcement officers outside of the court with automatic rifles, including three standing on the courthouse steps. And suddenly, there was Flynn. Shortly before one o'clock, he walked up the steps accompanied by his lawyers and went inside. He didn't answer any of the questions the news media asked him. And once he got before the grand jury, it's possible he didn't answer any of their questions either. We already know he took the fifth when he appeared before the Select Committee on Capitol Hill. Here is Congresswoman Liz Cheney asking a question. General Flynn, do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified? I said I, I said the fifth. Do you believe the violence on January 6th was justified morally? Take the fifth. You believe the violence on January 6th was justified legally? Fifth. General Flynn, do you believe in the peaceful transition of power in the United States of America? The fifth. So it's possible Flynn took the fifth before the special grand jury. He was at the courthouse for only about 90 minutes, which is relatively short compared to other witnesses. Fulton prosecutors had said they were interested in Flynn's comments on Newsmax six weeks after the 2020 election, when he said Trump could use the military to seize voting machines and rerun the election in swing states. Or his meeting at the White House the next day with lawyer Sidney Powell and other Trump campaign officials. They reportedly discussed martial law, seizing voting machines, and appointing Powell as a special counsel to investigate the elections. Also since our last episode, former President Trump had made some news. In one post on his social media platform, Truth Social, he continued to insist the election was stolen from him. He wrote that with the revelation of massive and widespread fraud and deception, do you throw the presidential election results out and declare a rightful winner, or do you have a new election? A massive fraud of this type and magnitude allows for the termination of all rules, regulations, and articles, even those found in the Constitution. Our great founders did not want and would not condone false and fraudulent elections. Trump was quickly rebuked by members of both parties for his suspending the Constitution comment. Then, just last week, after posting he was going to make a major announcement, Trump appeared on an ad saying there's an online store that is selling $99 digital trading cards of himself. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington, with an important announcement to make. I'm doing my first official Donald J. Trump NFT collection right here and right now. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. 
These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. My official Trump digital trading cards are $99, which doesn't sound like very much for what you're getting. Buy one and you will join a very exclusive community. It's my community. And I think it's something you're going to like and you're going to like it a lot. They also make perfect gifts. Even Trump's most ardent supporters, like former strategist Steve Bannon, condemned the former president's decision to air this ad. I tracked it closely. I was very curious what the big announcement was going to be. And I would say, you know, if there's a way to describe the trajectory, he's gone from terminating the Constitution to terminating good taste all in the space of a uh, few days. That's Breakdown regular Norm Eisen, co-author of the Brookings Institute report on the special grand jury and President Barack Obama's former ethics czar. He's also filed friend of the court briefs supporting DA Fonnie Willis's efforts to get out-of-state witnesses like Senator Lindsey Graham and former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn to come to Atlanta and testify. Eisen then addresses Trump's statement about the election being stolen. So the only thing that was new about that statement was that he made it explicit for the first time. He did get the attention he sought. And then this, you can draw a straight line through to teasing a major announcement, which people thought would be something policy oriented. Maybe he's going to declare for Speaker of the House of Representatives announced Carrie Lake as his running mate, and instead it's $99 trading cards, which have sold out, by the way. The entire run has completely sold out, generating millions of dollars for him, which um, some suspect he needs to pay his legal fees. So he's crowdfunding the defense of the many, many criminal and civil cases that I think are about to come crashing into him and his world. Eisen was referring to the referrals for criminal prosecution by the Select Committee on Capitol Hill and the ongoing Justice Department investigations of Trump, not to mention what's happening in Fulton County. So what about Trump continuing to say the election was stolen from him? Could he be using this as some kind of defense to what he thinks could be coming at him, like a possible indictment? Undoubtedly. But it's not a defense that will work, even if, and and Georgia, this is one of the reasons that I think the Georgia cases are so important and so valuable, and we'll see, but so likely to transpire. Even if you believe the election was stolen, You're not allowed to say to Brad Raffensperger, just find 11,780 votes that don't exist. Okay, you can't do self-help. That's electoral vigilantism. I may believe that the Treasury cheated me out of an $11,780 tax refund, but I can't go walk into the U.S. Mint and help myself to the amount. There's a process. So his behavior was vigilantism, but we also know that he didn't believe it. I mean, that's one of the utilities of the January 6th committee. They have put witness after witness out there who said Trump admitted to me that he knew better. Uh, So I think there's plenty of proof that he did. He he knew that he lost. But even if he had believed he'd won, it doesn't matter legally. 
Okay, let's get to the special purpose grand jury's expected report and recommendations called a presentment. The 23 special grand jurors will put it together with help from the district attorney, who's their legal advisor. The special grand jury was convened in May and can sit for a year, although it's expected to finish in the next month or so. We turned to Pete Scandalakis. He's a former DA and now heads the Prosecuting Attorneys Council of Georgia. It helps the 50 district attorneys across the state. He says the special grand jury is not required to issue a presentment. But if it does, as expected, it will first be reviewed by Judge Robert McBurney, who's overseeing the special grand jury. Scandalakis notes, Georgia's statute for special grand juries has some prohibitions. So the grand jury can issue a report and they can ask Judge McBurney to make that report public. He will, of course, review it and decide whether or not it should be made public. What the grand jury can't do in that report is say anything negative about public officials or impugn their character. So, in other words, if the special grand jury decides to make a report, it would be something general like, we've investigated the following, A, B, and C. We recommend that this matter be taken to a criminal grand jury for consideration without specifically naming any charges or any people to be considered. That means not saying someone should be charged with a crime, such as conspiracy or election fraud. I don't think you can say that because this grand jury is not entitled to return any indictments. All they're doing is investigating a case to see whether or not they should recommend further investigation and further whether a criminal grand jury should take it. They're not even determining probable cause. This grand jury is just looking, just investigating. You can make the presentment so general in nature that you're able to read between the lines, but you can't name specific individuals. You would say something like, you know, we find that individuals did attempt to A, B, and C, okay? We therefore think this matter ought to go to the grand jury. Now, that's the way I would phrase it, but Judge Judge McBurney or another Superior Court judge may say, no, 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 you're giving too much information in this report, and I am not going to let you publish this. We then told Scandalakis that prior special purpose grand jury presentments had named names and recommended specific people be charged. In response, he cited a 1961 Georgia Court of Appeals decision that addressed a special presentment by a Fulton County grand jury. The grand jury cannot return a report charging or casting reflections of misconduct in office upon public officials or impugning their character That opinion also says it is the right of the person who is the subject of such a report to have it expunged from the official records. Again, my advice, if I were the DA advising that grand jury, I would say keep names out of it, make it as general as possible, have your findings there, but don't name names and don't associate a specific person with a specific crime. As for the presentment itself, the statute doesn't say it's mandatory for a special grand jury to write one up. No, it's very open. It just says a report can be issued to the Superior Court judge. Maybe I can't remember if it says can be or maybe, but it doesn't even say, you know, that they have to, that it's not mandated that a report be made. So it could be just an oral report. It could be, hey, we've completed our job. We think the DA ought to take this case to a criminal grand jury. 
That could be the extent of their report. If there is a presentment, this is what happens next. If Bernie receives it, then if he tells the full bench that the grand jury's done, and this is what they've said, that, you know, maybe this, again, we don't see anything here, or we think it ought to go to a criminal grand jury. If they vote in favor, they'll dissolve the grand jury, and then the DA takes the next step, whatever it is. If it's presenting it to another grand jury, then they'll do that. If it's not, if the matter's closed, that's what they'll recommend. The Fulton County Superior Court bench has 20 judges, so it'll take 11 votes for the court to approve a presentment and then dissolve the special grand jury. It's also conceivable they could vote for the special grand jury to continue its work. And Scandalakis says it's possible for McBurney or the court to redact parts of the presentment if it's to be made public once the special grand jury is dissolved. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Robert James requested and was given a special purpose grand jury in January 2012. At the time, he was district attorney in DeKalb County. It was charged with investigating the procurement practices of the county's Department of Watershed Management. I covered some of this way back when. It was crazy. The special grand jury finished its presentment almost one year after the panel was assembled. But before it was published, then-County CEO Burl Ellis and his former campaign manager, Kevin Ross, filed suit, seeking to keep it under seal. They said they should be able to review the presentment and take out passages that were unfairly prejudicial to them. And they actually got the judge overseeing the special grand jury to give Ellis's and Ross's lawyers 10 days to review the presentment, all the while keeping it from public view. The DA's office appealed delaying the presentment's release even longer. This didn't sit well with the special purpose grand jury. Its foreman, Albert Trujillo, wrote a letter to the court. He said the presentment makes recommendations for the betterment of the county, and for that reason, it should be released without delay. When that didn't work, in March 2013, Trujillo filed a lawsuit against the judge overseeing the special grand jury, demanding the presentment's release. The case was eventually transferred to Fulton County and, of course, Judge McBurney was assigned to handle it. But he declined to hand down a ruling because the issue was still on appeal. A regular grand jury indicted then-County CEO Ellis for bribery, perjury, and attempted extortion in June 2013. Ellis would eventually be tried, convicted, and serve eight months in prison. After his release, the Georgia Supreme Court overturned his conviction, finding he didn't get a fair trial. Ellis, who was not retried, was awarded $225,000 in back pay. The special grand jury's presentment was finally made public in August 2013, one month after Ellis's indictment and seven months after it was finished. 
We say all this because it could get pretty crazy when the Fulton County Special Grand Jury finishes its presentment and if it wants it to be made public. And so expect there to be more litigation before the presentment is released because we dealt with that. Expect there to be some big fights because they're not going to just roll over and say, oh, yeah, publish this thing and say what you want to say about me. <laughs> you know. That's former DeKalb DA Robert James talking about what could happen with the Fulton County Special Grand Jury presentment. He requested DeKalb's Special Grand Jury back in 2012. So we haven't seen, you know, the end of the fistfights. As a matter of fact, we probably haven't seen the worst fistfights yet. It also bears noting that the DeKalb Special Grand Jury recommended that CEO Burl Ellis be indicted. It also recommended continued criminal investigations of other public officials, including former CEO Vernon Jones. Jones also has a footnote in this Fulton County investigation. Keen breakdown listeners may remember that he inexplicably showed up with Rudy Giuliani when the attorney was slated to testify before the special grand jury. Jones said he was attending as a friend. Okay, we digress. But the point is here, the DeKalb special grand jury apparently didn't read the statute the way Pete Scandalakis does. Not even remotely. Still, the DeKalb Special Grand Jury uncovered a lot. It found that county officials awarded a $2.2 million a year tree trimming contract to a fake company created by a Cartoon Network employee who didn't even own a chainsaw. And it said when a DeKalb police detective began linking county officials to inflated invoice and fraudulent payments to favored contractors, her superiors shut the investigation down. James says it was interesting in the way the dynamics shifted with his special purpose grand jury. So at the beginning, you have a lot more influence practically than what you than, than at the end. Right. Once they grow up and realize that, you know, that they're not a kitty cat, but they're lying. <laughs> right. And they've got more power than the D.A. in this instance. You're not telling them what to do in, in many instances. You know, and, and trust me, I, I understand the dynamic well because I lived with these folks for a year. And for a good part of the year, they met twice a week. And towards the end of the year, they were meeting every day. And so they were well aware of what their authority was. They were well aware of what their power was. James said the special grand jurors in DeKalb were a dedicated bunch. And they were like, you know, they did their own investigation. They read the records. They heard from other witnesses. Names were dropped when other witnesses said things. And they said, you know, Mr. D.A., we want to hear from, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And. The DA can't say, no, I'm not calling that person because <laughs> you work for the grand jury. You know, you call that individual in um, and you may only have four or five questions. And the grand jurors may ask questions, you know, for 30, 40 minutes. Right. You know, and so. So, so yeah, it is very possible their perspective on evidence and their perspective on how the law should be applied can be quite different than what the DA or the DA staff thinks or believes. And you just sit back as the D. It's, it's not your show. This isn't this isn't a regular grand jury where you're indicting someone for burglary and they're only going to be here for a little while. Right. Um, and they you know, they want to go. They want to get in and do their job and be back at home or back at work by lunch. They were also a diverse group. We had people from every ex with the exception of lawyers. We had folks that had done just about everything. People that had worked high up in business, school teachers, blue collar workers, people that had been advanced corporate administrative folk, people that had done everything. And so, look, the reality is that they're a very sophisticated body and they can come to conclusions, you know, on their own. And it was it was great getting to know them. We didn't have a lot of fights and disagreements. 
I think they gelled really well and they just they spent so much time together. They just became a, a big old happy family. And even though a lot, a lot has been reported about who's come in and testified before Fulton's special grand jury, James says, be prepared for some surprises. Yeah, I, I know grand juries and I know people and they've been meeting this long and putting this much. Look, these folks have moved away from their jobs and lives. This is extraordinarily disruptive to their daily lives. This isn't just a, you know, a, a grand jury where they're meeting a half a day once a week or a half a day twice a week. Like this is this has become their job. And I'm certain everybody in there understands the gravity of it. Right. They're taking it extremely serious. And so expect to see a long and detailed presentment and perhaps even some bombshells, because the one thing I realized when I was inside of the room versus now when I'm outside of the room is that, you know, for all you think you know outside of the room, you don't really know anything. We would giggle sometimes, we being the DA's office, specifically the Public Integrity Group, when we would hear reports about what had happened or what was going on or whatever. The story was either always way deeper or way different, you know, than what was out there. And so don't be surprised when if when the presentment drops, there's a lot of bombshells about what people said or what people didn't say. I was struck by what the DeKalb Special Purpose Grand Jurors wrote at the beginning of their presentment. It says, quote, We as common and ordinary citizens of DeKalb County, impaneled as the Special Purpose Grand Jury, recognize that we are privileged to serve our fellow citizens of DeKalb County. We recognize that we represent the common and ordinary citizens of DeKalb County, and that we have a special charge to represent them in ensuring that their elected officials and hired personnel perform in a manner that is consistent with the laws and codes of the United States, the state of Georgia, and the county of DeKalb. There's also what special grand jurors wrote in Gwinnett County in 2010. They were summoned to investigate shady land deals by some of the county's commissioners. Two wound up being indicted and convicted, and another resigned in lieu of being prosecuted. Those special grand jurors wrote, quote, From the beginning, each individual grand jury member believed that we were engaged in important work. It was our goal to determine whether or not the elected officials and county employees were making decisions that were proper, legal, and wise in the expenditure of taxpayer money. This task was undertaken at no small price, both personally and financially, by each grand jury member. Former Gwinnett County District Attorney Danny Porter requested the formation of that special purpose grand jury. Grand juries adopt personalities is what they do. And there are grand juries that over the year, you know, over the years I've seen that are very passive and don't want to do anything extra and, you know, basically say, bring us what we have to do and then leave us alone. And then there are grand juries, of course, that get really get really aggressive and want to want to investigate everything that particular grand jury was led by four or five people who were pretty aware locally of the of the allegations of corruption and so they wanted to get to the bottom of it and the rest of them were pretty excited about it now of course once some of the commissioners came in then they all just rolled their eyes and then it was Hell bent for leather. We were we were riding at that point. Porter notes that because the 23-page presentment recommended indictments against specific individuals, it was placed under seal until the case was over. The rationale for that is, is there's no forum that the person can go and defend their reputation because the grand jury 
you know, in the normal sense, issues its presentment, and then it ceases to exist. And so they're usually they issue them at the end of their term. So they cease to exist, and and the members have no individual liability. So there's nobody that they can reach out and try and defend their reputation. So the process is that the report is submitted to the judge, and then if the if they mention anyone in the report, the judges then uh, will contact that person, may contact that person, and give them the opportunity to review it before it's published, because then they can file a motion to quash certain parts of it. That's what we're supposed to do is make sure that they don't do stuff like that so that it's legal. That's why we're their legal advisor. Porter says having his special purpose grand jury was a good experience. I was really proud of the work they did. We really had some dedicated folks on that. Of course, we don't know exactly how things are going inside Fulton's special grand jury. Maybe some grand jurors want to be done with it. Maybe some believe they're doing the most important work of their lives. Are they getting along? Are there arguments, disagreements? How involved is the DA's office during the writing process? We do know one thing from the witnesses who've talked to us. This is one very engaged special grand jury. We interviewed local journalist George Cheedy in a prior episode. He talked about happening upon the fake slate of electors at the state capitol on December 14, 2020. He was summoned to the special grand jury, which is assembled in a large room in the DA's office. I walked into the same place where they have the press conferences, and it's me in a chair facing the gallery. There are three attorneys from the district attorney's office and a stenographer, and 24 smiling faces looking back at me. They were engaged. Let me just say this. Uh, You draw 24 random people into a room and tell them to save democracy, and they sit up. The questions I was asked were intelligent. Uh, They were skeptical in good ways, like in all of the ways like, okay, this is fine. Can you prove this? Like, how do you prove this? What did you see? What were your motivations? Um, The grand jury was engaged. They were were happy to be there, if that makes any sense. Uh, I think it, it was clear to me that the weight of the decisions they had to make uh, was weighing upon them. Like, they, they knew what they were there for. We asked him how many special grand jurors asked him questions. Chidi said grand jurors who had questions raised their hands and were respectful of one another. And he answered their questions as if he were holding a press conference, pointing to one raised hand after another. At least a dozen. At least a dozen different people. Um, and especially when I started to get into why I was there in the first place. Uh, I, was, I testified for about 90 minutes. And based on nothing more than the superficial sort of sense of what the kind of questions I was getting. Yeah, I think there was a spread there. I think there were likely skeptics on the grand jury. They didn't – nobody was railing at me like they were Alex Jones or anything like that. But they're like the reasonable kind of skepticism that you'd have of anybody testifying about anything was coming out. Um, the uh, sort of probing – Questions, good one, good ones. Like as a as a journalist, I was sitting there like, yeah, that's the right question. Good, yeah. Um, I don't doubt that there are, there are elected election skeptics on that grand jury. Uh, at least there were when they when I spoke to them. 
I don't know whether or not they're going to be any when they're done. Before we go, we want to hear your questions about the special grand jury for a future episode of Breakdown. Like, who the heck is Jackie Pick Decent? Why can't special grand juries issue indictments? Leave us a voicemail with your questions at 770-810-5297. We'll play it back and answer it on a future episode of Breakdown. You can also find the phone number in the episode description. We look forward to hearing from you. And we'll be back early next year. Like we keep saying, the special purpose grand jury is winding down. It's possible the month of January could be very revealing, not to mention newsworthy. We will see. As always, thank you so much for listening, and Happy New Year. Breakdown sound engineer is Shane, Shaney B. Backler. Our podcast program manager is Jay Black. Thanks to our presentation specialist, Pete Corson, our editors, Jennifer Brett and Dan Kleppel, our managing editor, Leroy Chapman, and Kevin Riley, the editor of the AJC. You can follow our daily coverage on our website, AJC.com. And if you really want to support local journalism, please subscribe to the AJC. Be safe and take care. Until next time, I'm Bill Rankin. And I'm Tamar Hallerman. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.